Hello and welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. I'm your host Fergus. Another lockdown episode on and this one we're looking at the evolution of Arsenal football. Um, we are looking at the last 30 years of Arsenal Football Club through the eras of George Graham, a touch on Rioch, Wenger, Unai and Arteta. I'm joined by Lee, Trevor, Mem, Mike and Potsy. Please enjoy the show and remember stay home, stay safe and save lives. Get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello, good evening. Welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Uh, we are still in lockdown. Um, there's not a lot to talk about, really. Uh, that's positive on the Arsenal front and football front because there's no football happening at the minute. So we're thinking of doing different topics uh, each week. Uh, and this week we have a topic given by our newest member, which is Mem. Uh, Mem has come up with a topic that we're going to uh, talk about, which is how has football evolved over the last, say, 20 or 30 years um, in uh, the way that our club has uh, been at the very forefront of evolution uh, that sadly for us has moved on to a period that has been largely dominated by oil, pound notes, etc., etc. I've, I've talked to a couple of you offline before about it uh, or, or in the last week, and we thought, yeah, it's a good topic. So um, let's let's have a chat about it. Lee, you haven't been on for a little while. Um, you're looking, you've got the glasses on, so that means we must be getting a good, intelligent conversation from yeah, you today. Today, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm feeling positive, <laughs> that, that Dan is doing his is Nordic that impression. Is that Lee? I thought it was Joe 90. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> Dan has got his uh, full Viking beard on. How are we doing, Dan? I'm good, man. I don't know what to do about this now. It's getting a little bit, it's a little bit Ed Sheeran do you know what I mean? It's getting a bit. <laughs> a little bit. I know. It's getting a little bit. Light. It, it, was, it, was a bit it was a bit Mustafi, as people said. Lee <laughs> judges was a bit Mustafi. And now he's getting a little bit. Vikingy, so but I'm I'm all good. I'm all good. Pat me the beer as well. Feels like we hadn't done a podcast for ages with all you guys. So I've missed you. No, we we haven't. We haven't for a little while. And talking about like Mustafi style. What about um Sabias style? Scunny has got a Sabias hairdo. How are you doing with your little? <laughs> me, me bit. Very nice. How are you keeping, mate? You all right? Uh, yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Need a trim, obviously. I yeah, just don't, I, think I just don't want to go bald. I think there's too many baldies kicking about. <laughs> yeah, there it's the first time I've just seen him without his hat on. I've seen him without his hat on. And really, like being honest, he should have wore his hat today, shouldn't he? Like, you know, so. <laughs> you know and above you, we got uh, Steve Bowles. No, it's Mem. Mem, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm really well, Fergus. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, thank you for inviting me on again. Yeah, yeah really well. Yeah. yeah. Good to see you all. We were um, looking forward to you now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you afterwards about Trev, Steve, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Trev, you've got a brilliant T-shirt on. Uh, Gavin at She War has now put these out. I've actually got one myself, which is in the wash, the Highbury T-shirt. I absolutely love that T-shirt. Um, and I think that what twenty quid more or less delivered. Quality is really, really good. And uh, it's really nice. So if anybody wants what Trevor's wearing, obviously a smaller size because they don't do all of them in that size. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you can go to She War. 
So this topic, guys, um, that men come up with, uh, which is the evolution of football, and Arsenal were at the forefront of the evolution of football, uh, with um, probably going back to to the George Graham era when George Graham took over a team with uh, uh, a young lad of seventeen becoming captain, uh, as in Tony Adams of um, our our team, and he led us on to European glory. Just it was only yesterday, I think, was um, the anniversary of the Parma Parma win. We got a double. We got a League Cup. Uh, and we started winning some trophies again under George Graham. We had a brief spell with Bruce Rioch. And then the real evolution of British football in Wenger uh, in his first part of his era. Then we had the second part of Wenger's era, which people dispute and discuss more about. And then we've obviously got Unai Emery. And then now we're into another phase with um, with uh, Mikhail Arteta. Um Trev, you've you've been going since God's, God was a boy. What's your thoughts on? Let's go looking around the George Graham era then. Oh, George! When George Graham came into the club, it he changed it overnight. I don't know if you, I can't remember what documentary it was now that shows George Graham coming into the club and introducing himself to the players, and they were all sat there at the training ground, and uh, I don't think any of them. And dared say a word really because they knew that times were about to change. And uh, George George stamped his influence on the club for want of a better phrase from the word go. And and uh, from my perspective, from what I can remember, I mean, I was Mem and Leah are a lot older than me, so they might remember better. But <laughs> from 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 what I can remember, George was George was. Uh, was a shining light coming in the club. It was weren't quite so sure when he first came in, but it was soon became apparent that George was a very clever man, shrewd buyer of a player, George Graham, and that showed very quickly. Bought some cheap bargain buys, and uh, the the rest is history. I'd be interested to see what uh, Mam and Lee would think about that as well. Yeah. Well, Lee, first of all, you would have uh, would did you see George play as a player? Because he, you know, he 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 he's won silverware as a player and as a captain. Wasn't he captain of Arsenal in the in the seventies? Cheeky, cheeky swine! Like, did I see him play? Like, you know I mean? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Like, you know, but obviously, I, I, I'd heard of him, and um, I'm going to I'll admit it here and now. Like when he first uh, came into the club, I was disappointed. You know, what I mean, he come from Millwall, and uh, you know, I thought that we could attract someone a bit bigger and better uh, at the time. But what Arsenal needed at that time is very similar to what they are now. It needed someone to come in with a steady hand and and turn it completely around because it it was just starting to slide. And um, I thought Donnell done pretty well with made him a little bit more flamboyant than what it was under Terry Neal. But then George come in and he just, he, he threw the youngsters in. And, and I always say this, and um, Chris Hudson said it, was, was the first one to say it, was that when George Graham come in, you give him the benefit of that because as soon as he come in, as soon as the first game, I believe was Manchester United, I think his first game, but as soon as he got into the into Highbury, there was a change. You could see that there was an improvement. You could see that there was something happening at Arsenal from the very, very first game. Um, we went on a great run that season um, uh, well, and looked like we could challenge for the title, something that we'd not done for many, many a year. And in the end, we, we finished we winning the um, Littlewoods Cup and it, the, the cement was um, 
the foundations were were cemented, as they say. And uh, so it was a brilliant first year. I really, I really enjoyed going over the Arsenal for the and and the way they played. The youngsters coming through. It was a great time. What looked different then, Lee? You see, you said immediately something looked different. Well, what looked different? It was a, a consistency. There was. Um, I, I felt that uh, a structure to the team. You know, I think that um, under Don Howe, it was a little bit um, let the um, experienced boys uh, that, that were there, which was like Paul Mariner, uh, Tony Woodcock, Charlie Nicholas, um, Stevie Williams, players like that were probably not dictating, but like that, what, what they were saying was going. George come in and, and just turned it, had none of that. It was no going to be no superstars. You had to work hard to get your way through it there. George was very, very lucky. And, you know, a few of the guys would have said that as well, that he had some youngsters coming through, um, four, five, six, seven internationals that, that were in the youth team at the time coming through that went on to play for England. That That's a big, big plus. So that he knew that he had those guys, but he, he, he played them. Um, and, you know, the... It was just there was a there was an excitement about the team going in there a real excitement about the way we was playing and I can tell you this now that, that Spurs at that moment in time were a very good side as well and you know were probably having the better of us in the eighties and this season that the first season under George Graham he turned it around and and you know we took over from Spurs from that from that season on so that was a big uh, poignant moment in Arsenal supporters mm. history. And, uh, and go on, you finish yeah. it. Finish what you're going to say. No, just, I was just going to say that all of a sudden we believed that we could win trophies. Okay, Mem, you again, generationally, I, I was in Ireland, I didn't see very much of uh, the early George, George Graham year. I saw towards the end the, and then the Bruce Riach and into the Wenger years. But, mm. um, what did you what did you see of that? And like, Lee's made some really, Lee's made some. You both both lads made some really good points about when George came in. Um, it, it was it, he had he was big on discipline, hard work. It was definitely George's way. Or um, and there was a number of seasoned uh, England internationals, like you say, Mariners, uh, the Woodcocks, um, Stephen Williams, who it was we touched on him a couple of weeks ago. Um, Trevor and oh, I actually liked him because he get he's the love getting stuck in, but um, he cleared all of that out. And yeah, he was very fortunate to have a group of young. We had a fabulous group of young players all come through at the same time. Yeah, um, you know, there's some of the names tip off the mouth: you, you, uh, Adams, Merson, Mickey Thomas, Paul Davis, uh, David Rowcastle. You're right, Man United was his first game in charge. I remember it really well. Uh, it was one of Rockies. He had a great game against a, a fella called Arthur Alberson that used to play for Man United. And um, everyone was raving about Roadcastle afterwards. Anyway, just um, some really good points about what he was about. And he's another guy that just, he understood the club. He knew what Arsenal, would you know, what, it, what it meant to play for Arsenal as an ex-player, the way the whole club carried themselves, what we were about. Um, and to a degree, just to really jump forward quickly, with Arteta at the moment and a group of young lads that I, hold off, and I, hold I know back. it's a hold different. All right, okay. I do see similarities with what's potentially coming along at the moment. Yeah, but yeah, just leave that to one side at the moment. Um, I thought he was Dan? great. I loved that era. Loved it. 
I personally Dan, think, Dan, before I finish, sorry, guys, yeah, he was really unlucky. No, mate, I thought he was so unlucky to finish the way he did because, rightly or wrongly, what was there was a lot of that going on, a hell of a lot of big-name managers, you know, Clough, Venables, who I think, like Lee just said, we was looking for a bigger name. At the time, there was a, a mention of maybe Venables coming. He was just unlucky. He was just the unlucky guy that got caught. So he was, Mem. Mem, he was. Yeah. He was. I tell you, if George Graham was the only manager doing what he ended up getting sacked yeah. for, yeah. I'll eat my head for I'll eat Mike's <laughs> ponytail. How's that, right? <laughs> because yeah. Yeah. they were all at it. They were all at it, mate. Well, not all of them. That would be too general. But there were a lot. You're right, Mem. You're exactly right, mate. There he was great. He was great. He made football. And 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 stuff stuff was happening in football that yeah. you know we're not necessarily privy to, but oh. um, it's more different than nowadays uh, with agents and so on. Um, it's not just what one agent that might be at whatever. I'm I'm allowed to use words scam scheme whatever, but one method over another. Um, Dan, so I'm just as you're about to take him out for your drink. Um, you, you... All I want to say about George is is just that. That hasn't been said already is very very quick. Um, people say without Arsene Wenger we wouldn't have had the doubles and invincibles. Without George Graham we wouldn't have had eighty nine. We wouldn't have had ninety one. We wouldn't have had ninety three. And I think that touching on the back of what Mem said about some of the youngsters come through, what George had done is gone and bought Nigel Winterburn from Wimbledon, Steve Bold and Lee Dixon from Stoke, and obviously put Tony Adams into the place that he was. And all of a sudden we got a back four that looks absolutely exceptional, along with David Seaman in goal. And, that is something that Arsene Wenger inherited, you know, and that's thanks to George Graham. So I think we've got a lot to thank George Graham for, and a lot of people will remember him for the boring one, Neil, boring, boring Arsenal. But um, I was, I am lucky enough to remember some of the days, um, really from kind of 91, 92 onwards, where, you know, I saw Ian Wright come into the club and fell in love with it. So for that, for me, George Graham will always be remembered as, as great memories. And I know it's a shame the way he left, but for me, unbelievable manager, and we have a lot to thank George Graham for. Absolutely. Mike, Do you know, I know what? That... Sorry, every time I look at Dan now, all I can see is Scobran Mustafi. I keep <laughs> looking, all I can see is Scobran Mustafi. A much, a much better looking version, Trev. Much better looking version. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and don't forget, Georgie Graham's first game in charge uh, against Man U was, was what we became well known for when it was 1 0 to the Arsenal, wasn't it? So, yeah. yeah. Mike, <laughs> like me, you wouldn't have seen much of George Graham. I some of the saw some of the George Graham era. Um, uh, I, I remember seeing Naeem goal and and and, and some, some of the things on, that were rarely on TV. Uh, but I I didn't see a huge amount of George Graham. I got into in, in, into football and into Arsenal more in the in the in the Wenger years. But do you, do you have any anything to add or any recollections of any stuff that you know on there? Or should we move on to? The next, uh, next year. Oh, right? Sorry, guys, a bit before my time. Being up north, you see, it's, uh, it's harder to be an Arsenal supporter up here. Well, in, <laughs> you don't in see, fair, you don't see it, much it of it, be. to be fair. It, it, it would be, actually, because, like, you know, as you say, you're surrounded by Liverpool and Man United fans and everything else. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, you always get surrounded by them. But what would you say, um, right, we'll start back around and around, Robin Lee, uh, your favourite George Graham game. Uh, and why? Sure. And then we'll go, Trev. We'll do the exact same round then. Well, obviously, the, the eighty nine is the uh, Liverpool's got to be the, the one and only. But for for me, 
because I, di- I didn't go to that. So the game that I, I would choose is the, the semi-final um, replay at White Hart Lane, 87. It was just unbelievable, unbelievable game. We was never winning that game. Well, ne- from the game from Highbury to the last minute um, of that game, we was never beating them. And, um, you know, the atmosphere and everything about that. That George Graham, funny enough, even though... Um, Arsene Wenger probably was the better manager and with the better teams and all that. The two greatest moments for me at Arsenal were that 87 and 89 um, championship winning game Um, under George Graham, believe it or not, were the two fondest memories I've ever ever had of Arsenal. Can never take them two away from me. Uh, They were just, you know, maybe because of the terraces and the atmosphere, you know, was so much different to what it is now but they were just glory glory days and for me that would be the uh the 87 semi-final for me okay trev a different game anything different i i know you posted on a whatsapp group the picture of your palmer ticket um which was really interesting yeah, so you've been well, to, to no, magnificent game no Fergus, Fergus, no 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 i've got a ticket from from palmer Copenhagen, but I didn't go to that game. I was lucky okay. enough to pick up a ticket. Someone gave me a ticket after the game. I wish I had been in Copenhagen in 2004, but I wasn't. Mate, I, I mean, Lee just Lee just took the words out of my mouth. Then, mm. when you think of George Graham, you immediately think 89. Your, your focus goes straight to Anfield mm-hmm. in 89. And, and uh, that the whole of that season for me was like, was just rock and roll. I'm just looking at it here because. We had it won, and then we should have won it at our place, and we got beat, didn't we? We, we lost at home to Derby, and yeah, we it drew at home to right, <laughs> Yeah, and we're all there waiting to throw our arms in the air, and it, we had to wait to Liverpool, and I couldn't get a ticket, and I sat on the sofa at, at home and watched it. And uh, so, yeah, eighty-nine. There's no, there's nothing specific I can come up off the top of me, and I've got all my books here as well, Fergus, with every game that George <laughs> Graham ever managed. You know, so. Yeah, that just that eighty nine season was the one for me when mm. when when we won the league with our youngsters, mm. as Lee just, as Memory said, a team for the youngsters and bargain buyers. Ian Allinson was was about and and uh, what's his name? Well, did we sign Groves by then? We had, hadn't we? Yeah, 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 yeah Groves. Yeah, yeah, Groves was there. Allinson, he picked up loads of bargains. He did. Kevin Richardson was an unsung oh. hero of the scene. Uh, yeah, really yeah. unsung Ke- player. Do you know what, Lee? Yeah. Lee. Kevin Richardson was a class act that at times carried that side. Yeah. At times carried that side. And he don't get enough of a mention, mate. Yeah. Nah. yeah. No, see who else don't get a mention. Brian Marwood, because he was sensational at the beginning of that season. Yeah. And then got injured. And mm. I don't I think it was in January. He didn't play after that, but he was a magnificent player before before that, uh before Christmas was was, you know, um Forgotten, like, but you know, so, what's that? Great, great, um, great, great days. Where did great he, to be an Arsenal fan, he, 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 he was a bit of a buck. Did he come from Sheffield Wednesday or someone like Wednesday. that? I, I think yeah. he did, yeah. He, did. Yeah. he, did. he was a bargain buy, but like, like most wingers in them days, I thought they'd, they'd always come on the scene and have one or two good seasons. I know Marwood got yeah. injured, so there's a bit of a, a difference there, but. The, the, a winger would appear, he'd go for one or two good seasons and then the opposition would start working the wingers out, you know, and they'd, they'd, they'd lose their impact a little bit after two or three seasons because the opposition defenders would kick them off the park. 
But uh, Marwood mm. was a class act when we first got him. He was an old-fashioned yeah. sort of winger. He was a throwback sort of a winger. Probably what, why you say um, after a year or two, yeah, injury didn't help. But uh, no different from you guys, really. 89 was just a magical, special night. Um, the fact that it was on a Friday evening as well made it, because of what went on just before that, with all the delays, um, it just made it extra special and extra magical. Um, but for me, on a personal note, it would be actually the 1987 Littlewoods Cup final, as it was then known. No. Simply because up until that point, if I'm right, lads, um, was it right that Ian Rush and had ne- Liverpool had never lost the match that Ian Lee Rush scored, had scored yeah. in first or something? Something, yeah. something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. you've now mate. Mel, and, you've um, nailed it, mate. You've, Mel, you've nailed it, yeah. I was fortunately there as well, which helped. I was really young, but I remember it really well. It was a great day. So for me, it would be the 87 Littlewoods Cup final because it was a long time. I think it was the last time. It was 1980 in the FA Cup, and I was really little. I couldn't, couldn't have gone to that one. So, um, yeah, 87 was really special. It was You could then, feel it was uh, a start of something. Can I ask you a question? So, um, yeah, cool. George Graham, obviously, he, he left with the shame of the bung thing and everything else that we, we we half touched on. But, you know, that was a slight tarnish to his reputation. But moreover, he ended up managing that that, that lot down the road. Has that yeah. has that damaged his reputation among Arsenal fans? No, I actually, no, not at all. For me, just personal, I, I find that hilarious. <laughs> I really did at the time. Sugar was the chairman, yeah? And they yeah. were not having a great time. Um, and fortunately for us, it was probably one of the best periods of, of, of our time. And for them to have to turn to an Arsenal man to help them out, yeah, I just found that in a perverse, weird kind of way quite funny. No, I don't. I didn't have a problem with him going there at all, no. Okay. Yeah, so then, uh, just just while we dwell on 89... Just while we dwell on 89, right, don't forget Liverpool away in 89. Uh, Arsenal showed their true class that night, the way they treated the Liverpool fans, the way they came out on the field, very respectful after what had happened at Hillsborough a few weeks before. All the fans were given flowers. The Arsenal players were respectful. And it needs mentioning that that yeah. uh, it was, it, was a, it was a great night for Arsenal, but it was a sad night as well for Liverpool. And I thought that the, 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 Arsenal, the Arsenal Football Club looked after Liverpool very well that night off the field as well. So it had to be mentioned. Yeah. Sorry, Dan. Dan, you were going to say something there a second ago? Uh, you are, mate. No worries. All I was going to say was I was born in 87, so Littlewoods Cup. No, obviously I ain't going to remember that. 89, I don't remember it, but I don't know how the boys can put 87 over 89 because I thought that was just never going to happen again, is it? Ever. It's me so, personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that uh, that's the best achievement. But I think for me, because I don't remember that, the one I'd have to go for would have to be Palmer, just for the pure yeah. fact. 94 is the first one I remember. You're, you're in Europe, you know what I mean? I stood in 93, I can just about remember with the Sheffield Wednesday uh, games. But I think that the uh, for me, um, Alan Smith against Palmer, that, that's the one for me when I think of George Graham. Um, I was a bit too young to remember the, the previous ones, you know? So Just going yeah. on to that, Dan, and sorry for us. That as great as that was, Palmer. That was the beginning and the end of George Graham. That was um, like you know the, the, the teams that he was putting out um, were very very uh, negative. He'd lost that little bit of swagger, mm. and um, even though he, he he got done for the bung, bung, I, I think like Arsenal and I, I've always said this were were happy to that that was it because they didn't really want to sack him, but they they felt that because they had that over their heads as well that they could 
could go along to do that. And I think George Graham f- felt a little bit bitter towards the, the, to the board and Arsenal why they didn't um, back him. And that's why I think that he went to Spurs because of that, mm. for, for those reasons. And uh, it does it, it does leave a, um, not um, a little bit, you know, George Graham's le- uh, legendary status was tarnished because he went to Spurs. Uh, there's no two ways about that. Um, but me, over the years, it's mellowed. And all of a sudden, yeah, I'm thinking it. of bad things. It, it, it's very much so that people are looking back more fondly over George Graham of recent years, especially with the anniversary of, like you've seen, 89 uh, last year. And now people are talking about Palmer only the last couple of days. And we're looking back at some of the glory years of his era. Um, and is it now the time to put a statue out for him? And we talk about Wenger and, and, and the toxicity around Wenger towards the end of his era, which we'll go into later. And people say it's too early, too late for a statue. So, yeah, th- these sort of things do mellow off. Um, yeah. Moving on to our next manager. The next manager we had was um, Bruce Rioch. Not a lot to say about Bruce Rioch, except for he brought one man in that will never be forgotten. DB10, the Iceman, Dennis Burkamp. Um, and that... You talk about evolution and revolution of football. That man just changed it. Um, Dan, do you want to come in on this or Mike? Or, you know, Mike, this is this is still early for you, Mike, isn't it? Uh, yeah, think, fine. We'll, we'll wait. I think with Rioch, I think David Dean had a lot to do with the Dennis Burkamp signing. You know, you look at documentaries that Ian Wright said. I know Wright, he couldn't stand Rioch, but um, oh, what's happening there? We're on league. He's all right. Camera. Oh. oh. Uh, so I think that we're uh, as it <laughs> can see now. Um, <laughs> I think that when it comes to it, a lot of people have said that Dennis Bergkamp, um, you know, was a lot to do with Bruce Rioch. I think David Dean had a lot to do with the signing personally. But Bruce Rioch, for me, I don't really remember too much about the actual season itself. I just remember it being the second best thing he did was signing Dennis Bergkamp and the first best thing he did was he left. So um, I would suggest that that's probably the way forward for Bruce Rioch, mate. And uh, that's all I've really got to say about him. Um, I think it was a bad times. You know, we had Stuart Houston trying to recover stuff before we got Rioch, and it just never gonna, was going to work. And I think David Dean was looking elsewhere, and we all know who come in after him. So that's all we've got to say about Bruce Rioch. Mm-hmm. <coughs> anything to add on, the, on Bruce Rioch? No, really. Uh, yeah. oh, he wasn't there for very long. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know why it didn't work out for him. I think it was. I know he didn't get all, get along too well with Ian Wright. There's a few things that I've read that in Wrighty's book, and I don't get that. When yeah, I don't think I think the club was too big for him, personally. And um, yeah, and he just it came quite on. soon for real, didn't it? Yeah, possibly. He, possibly. Uh, he, he looked the part. He had he had a good attitude about him and a good mannerism about him, but. Uh, yeah, he just, he just. I think righty, it was righty or real at the real mm. at the end, and and there, it was a no-brainer, wasn't it? We all knew who was going to go. Yeah, we I all knew was going to go. Nurse has written about that as well. Yeah, it was. Yeah, given when it. Yeah. Chelsea, really? They reckon they reckon righty was going to go Chelsea, and it was all pretty much done. And then they decided actually we'll get Rioch to go. Whereas Rioch was looking at the Bolton striker. What's his name? McGinley. Right. That's the guy. Yeah. yeah. Imagine yeah. that. Yeah. He's sitting in right and getting him. <laughs> yeah, I think that's all you need he to say about Rioch, really. He was in charge for 47 games, Rioch, and he only lost 10, though. You know? Yeah, so I, I know, wasn't... but 
what Dan's saying, if he would go out for John McGinley over Ian Wright, I, I think that's enough said on Bruce Real, honestly. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just talking about his stats there. Yeah, I agree, wow. man. Yeah, yeah. He's... So now we're back up to a full, full compliment. I do hope Still you wash your that. hands, Lee. Um, uh, <laughs> 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 and you sang happy birthday when you were doing it too. Um, we move on to probably one of the, the, the most prominent era of modern Arsenal football club after uh, Herbert Chapman. We're moving into an era that uh, is a bit more familiar for myself and Mike. Uh, it's the Wenger years, um, 96 onwards. This man, uh, French man, who wasn't very, very good footballer, he played as a defender, I think, at Monaco, um, can speak seven language, highly intelligent, had been at Grampius, uh, seven in Japan. Uh, the headlines were uh, Arsene Who. Um, he came, he revolutionised. You were talking about evolution and revolution. This man revolutionised not only Arsenal Football Club, but he revolutionised British football, um, diet, exercise, sleep, more a, hol a holistic approach about everything. Um, and he, he he took Arsenal to a different level. Um, Mike, do you want to come in and, and talk a little bit about um, your experience of, of the, the, the Wenger sort of time? And I know you were towards the latter end, and, and but you will have seen um, the, the, the early stuff as well on, on TV and stuff, but you didn't get down to the ground so much. But giving you an opportunity mm -hmm. to talk a bit about your uh, your Wenger opinion. Go on, Mike. Well, I was uh, probably late late 90s, early 2000s. I started doing it more probably towards 99 onwards, I'd say roughly. So uh, um, I was just seeing sort of the beginnings of everything happening uh, with Wenger still. Uh, you know, it, it's still, it was still his movement, as it, as we call it. So he was buying players, you know, buying cheap players, bringing in the likes of Anelka for, what, 500k. Uh, when he brought him in and Thierry, the likes of Thierry Henry when he was bringing him in for like 16 mil at the time I think it was 16, 16 and a half mil uh, getting people like Saul Campbell on a free so it's just a case uh, for me obviously he was just seeing the, the the beautiful football is what it's known as now uh, it, it just when you see things like that and I think a lot a lot of the time when he was when I was talking to my friends up here and uh, well, believe it or not, my I've got a friend who's a Liverpool fan. I've got a couple of friends who are Chef Wednesday fans, and all they ever go on about is 1999 FA Cup. But what can I say? <laughs> we won. Uh, uh, so they, they they never really show up about that with me. Um, but it's when they say you know because they're in the Championship now, and it, they always used to say if we ever if I was a neutral, the only team that ever usually really watch out of them all was an Arsenal team. An Arsenal game, you know, yeah. being neutrals because it's it's the way to play football, and I hear that quite a lot of quite a few people. So it's just one of them things that that's what I sort of grew up on, and that's what I took admirance in is that yeah. watching the game and the, the style of football we played over over the likes of what people would be around here, like your Chef Wednesdays at the time and uh, Liverpool's Manchester United's. It, it it was that, wasn't it? That like, if somebody didn't, if somebody fancied just watching a game of football, you would just turn on an, an Arsenal game because yeah. it'd be like, it'd be like, you know, easy TV because it was you were guaranteed to see good football, a good yeah. display of football. You know, it was high quality, high paced, creative, and everything else. Yeah. Mem, uh thoughts on Wenger's era then? Yeah, um, the start. The start. He was incredible. Um, it was incredible because we'd had a period of a number of seasons when, yeah, in between managers, Briot and 
Stuart Houston and whoever else got in. Um, it, it was really difficult, and he came along. And again, he yeah, he was fortunate having a, a, a group core of players, but the guys that he started bringing in um, were just incredible. Then all the names that you guys have mentioned, um, and yeah, he changed everything. It, it wasn't just about the diet. I think it was the mindset, the way he wanted uh, the team to play. He brought an element of sort of like romance and fantasy to our game. He elevated our club to levels that, as, as good as we were in 89 and 91 under George and all the things that we've done in the past, I thought he, he, he pushed Arsenal up more no, uh, further notches. Uh, he made us even more of a global name. Yeah, it was great for a period of 10 10, maybe a few more years than that. It, yeah. it was wonderful right at the beginning. Incredible. We're doing the first half of his, um, of his yeah, tenure yeah, incredible. because people, people do talk about uh, the first half versus the second half. Uh, Trev, your your thoughts and, and experiences of the first half of the Wenger years and how you thought he changed it? Well... <laughs> No one had heard of Wenger, had they? Even the players hadn't heard of Wenger before he came in, and it was and that that was Wenger's big bonus. He had two bonuses when he first came to Arsenal Football Club. Firstly, no one knew him and knew how he worked, so none of the Premier League or the Division One had seen him, so they had no idea of how his teams played, what his tactics were, what his mindset was. But secondly, and and this is going to sound like a bit of a negative, but take it in the context I say it. In Wenger's first season in charge, we finished third in the league, right? We finished behind Man United and Newcastle. But we let less goals in. We only let 32 goals in in, in Wenger's first season, the best defensive record in the league. And he inherited that defence, right? He inherited Winterburn. Dan spoke about it just now. Winterburn and, and Dixon and Adams and Bold and Keown. He inherited them. But what Wenger did very quickly was complement that defence with the purchase of people like Petit, and Vieira um, as we move on, you know, and, and then we went on to Perez and 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 that defence then became the basis of what was yeah. a really, really strong... He, he replaced the midfield that, that Graham had, that, was, that, as Lee said earlier, was starting to drop off a bit. He built in that area and and obviously we already had Bergkamp and, and he just developed the team. But nobody knew what Wenger did. Nobody knew how his teams played and uh, he was years ahead of the Premier League and it showed. That was the first half of his career until they caught up. Completely changed the philosophy Dan, of the game. Yeah. He did. He did. He did. Dan, um, he he went to he went to France and Africa and and found some some gems of players. Uh, take it from there. What were your thoughts yeah, I mean, on and who stands out? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, talking about Wenger purely from '96 to 2006, before we're talking about the Emirates era, for me, that was 10 years of football that were the most wonderful years of my footballing memory. And I think because of that, he was fool People say he was lucky that he walked into Arsenal with a back five. And Trev's touched on this, but what I want to do is go back on it and just take it one step further because the most foolish thing to do is disrupt a football team when you walk into a club. And he did not do that as a manager because he had England number one goalkeeper, a back four, and you can bring Keown into it as well. And he had one of the most gifted players the Premiership's got in Dennis Burkamp. It had been very easy for him to keep Burkamp and then go and revamp the whole lot. But what he did was he managed to install the right amount of quality and the right amount of leadership, as well as a, a technical flair, to pre bring us forward. And that is why 
we we stumped Manchester United in the nineties because they were by far the best team. There was no one close. It was embarrassing, you know. Growing up, I hated Man United because they won everything. So when we started to compete, that was because of Arsene Wenger. That was all it was down to. We got the Vieiras and Petties. We got the Anelkas, which people I mean when Anelka come to Arsenal, he's one of the best 18, 19 year olds I've ever seen. It was absolutely outstanding. Uh, Mark Overmark, people forget about. Everyone talks about Pires. We had Overmars before him, you know. He improved Ray Parler. Ray Parler was always a good player, but Arsene Wenger made Ray Parler that good because he allowed to give him that space. So players like that. It's only Ray Parler. Yeah, it's only Ray Parler. And then, of course, what happened with Arsene Wenger after we'd gone and done the double in 98, he'd moved towards the 2000s and he'd started to revamp. And one thing about Arsene Wenger, he's still done it to the day that he left. He would not mind whether your name was Thierry Henry or whether your name was Pascal Sigan. He would sell you and he would replace you. He would sell you and he would replace you. And Elka's going, everyone's gutted. Who's Henri? Never even heard of Henry. Oh, he's just the best player that's ever played for Arsenal. And he doesn't care. Oh, Overmars is gone. I was gutted when Overmars left. Pires come in. The thing, uh, thing was, when, when Henri came in, he, he was having a, uh, Henri was having a really difficult time in Italy. Uh, and he had just been playing in a completely different position, more as a wing back for France in in the Euros of the World Cup or whatever it was. And he yeah. converted the player into the, into the player that he is now. He just had the faith in the, this team, and he, he knew Petit from Monaco and Henri from Monaco, and and he had some links with France. But he was so ahead of the game, as Trev said, he was so far ahead with the diets, with the training, with the injections, with the regime. And I remember the England lads in documentaries like Merson and Wrighty saying what the hell are we doing here? I can't eat this food and I can't inject this stuff in me. I hate needles, you know. And they were saying, we, we, we don't feel fit. We don't feel fit. And he said, give it six weeks and you will be. And you saw Petit and Bergkamp and Vieira on point in training. And they were so much fitter than the English lads. And they thought, we're going to have to catch up then. And otherwise, we're going to get booted out of the team. And that's what Arsene Wenger did. He was like, you yeah. do it my way, stick to it, and we'll win stuff. And that's exactly what we did. So the first 10 years of Arsene Wenger, unbelievable. And that's a great point, Lee. Um, you know, you had the 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 core of George Graham's side in in uh, in, in that defence, the England defence, and Seaman, uh, Adams, Dixon, Keon, etc. And they were the Tuesday club as well. They used to go to the Bank of Friendship Tuesday after training, um, and they get smashed. Um, and they had to change the way they did things on the back of Wenger's uh, new regime. What, what do you, how do you think of that as a culture shock from uh, a, a, from an English footballer, from an English football fan, uh, first of all, to, to watch uh, players having to do that and, and uh, how it's evolved from there? The, the, great, the great thing about it is, and, and uh, Tony Adams always said this, the timing of, of Arsene Wenger was, was the key. He come he comes to the club when uh, the likes of Tony Adams and Paul Merson were ready to listen and and go down that route, you know, and that was a great great thing. Again, I'm going to have to say quickly before when he's first signed. Again, there was a little bit of disappointment with me, and I think a lot of Arsenal fans because no one had heard of him. There was talk about Johan Cruyff being the manager, and I think that's what we was all hoping it would be. And then obviously Arsenal who come out come in, but. Trev come up with a great point, and it and it was, and it and the game that it turned around for me, and and everybody knew that this was going to be something special, was was Sheffield Wednesday, and he brought on this gangly lad called um, Patrick Vieira, and he just that was the, the 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 change, and that was when you thought, my God, this team's going to be something special because you did right, and what Dan has said as well, is that he had the back five, he had this um, fantastic player in Dennis Burkamp. And he had Ian Wright still firing. 
But then he brought this player in who was just going to turn around and change Arsenal Football Club. And I know that Burkamp gets a lot of praise for it, but Patrick Vieira coming into the side changed the physics of Arsenal Football Club. And all of a sudden, yes, Arsene Wenger was, was, was loved. But one of the reasons he was loved, because he brought somebody like Patrick Vieira in there. And then what he was able to do was he, you know, I, when Ian Wright left or was, was leaving, you know, that was like, he was one of the biggest heroes to a lot of Arsenal fans. But along come Anelka and he just eased Anelka in and eased Ian Wright out, you know. And no one really, and nothing against Ian and that, was that, oh, well, we're going to replace Ian Wright, you know. When Nicholas Anelka went, there was more devastation for Arsenal fans than when Ian Wright left. And that's that's how good a Nicholas Anelka was to just transform and not, and not worry about uh, Ian Wright. And then, of course, he brought in Henri and Davis Suka, like He was a fantastic player, by the way, you know. And, mm. and we oh. had, as I said, Overmars come in and he, he replaced Overmars with, with uh, Perez. And then, right, oh, we've lost Petit now. Who are we going to bring in now? He brought in a World Cup winner in Gilberto, who was an absolute astounding player for us, you know. And he then brought in Edu. And I always say this now, Arsenal won loads and loads of games because from before kickoff, they were all monsters. You know, you ever looked at the Arsenal side, all big, six foot. My God, all of them could play. Powerful, powerful side. And the football we played was just unbelievable. It was, it was unbelievable winning football. And we should have, and I still say this now, should have won a lot more than what we did. I felt that, we, you know, we should have won a couple, of more, a couple of more championships after before that. I, I remember, I just showed it on here yesterday, the Leeds versus Arsenal game when we lost at home 3-2. I was still disappointed going into the cup final the following, following week. You know, we should have won the league. We blew it and all that. That's how, that's how good this team was. And then he changed it around. And I'm going to say this about Arsenal going into his... Time at the Emirates, there was still some fantastic football that he played un, under the scrutiny of of financial implications that he had. You know, which will I, I believe that he was. Uh, you know, he was managing Arsenal with one one arm time behind his back. You know, and um, and and I feel that you know he he, he gives the ball a, a free ride. You know, and he was just you know fantastic, fantastic. I remember the song. Trevor, remember it going down to where. Arsene Wenger's magic, he wears a magic hat. That, you know, was unbelievably sung to the, to the, you know, great on the trains going to the Wembley. You know, a fantastic, fantastic side. And that Man United team, by the way, were as good as the Liverpool team, if not better, in, in the 80s. You know, they were dominating, dominating. You know, as Dan said, it was, it, was, it was annoying. You know what I mean? And we come along and, you know, Ferguson got a lot of credit for the way he he, he melted uh, Kevin Keegan, you know what I mean? And he did, you know what I mean? There's no way about it for, for him to crack. But a year later, two years later, Wenger had him cracked up like an egg, you know what I mean? And Wenger um, got into Ferguson like no other manager, <clears throat> no other manager. And the reason was that is because he was bloody good. And that's that's the reason why. Like, if, if, he forced Ferguson to change as well. Yeah. You know, he changed his whole tactics, changed his whole philosophy in football. You know, he was buying, you know, he forced Ferguson to start buying these bigger, faster, stronger players. Yeah. I, I, did. Actually, I, I actually... It's really it's, interesting. Right? Sorry, sorry, man. Go on, you first. It, it, thank you, Trev. In 2002, I think he, he was going to... Do you remember when he was going to retire, lads? And, we, and I think we'd done a double, didn't we? 
I, I swear. Bill Ferguson. Yeah, yeah. I think you did. It was right about I, that. Right about I that swear time, he'd mate. done the U-turn because like, we'd done the double. He thought, nah. I can't leave. I can't leave him. I can't leave it behind. I can't. I believe that had a lot to do with it. I do. Yeah. Listen, uh, and and the, the rivalry between the two of them was phenomenal. Um, but I think it was also there was a hatred, but I think there was also a, a respect um, among them all. Trev, you were going to say something there a second ago. Go on. Yeah. Firstly, Lee, we used to sing the same song about Georgie Graham, mate. Georgie yeah. Graham's magic. Yeah. I yeah. remember being on the tube, on the tube going to Wembley that that day we had that debacle in the League Cup final against Luton. I can remember singing it on the tube that day. But I, I know I know Fergus wants to talk about this a bit later. But I just want to sow a seed in your head, Fergus. And Lee mentioned it. Um, we're we're moving into that, so carry on. Right. Okay. I still, I still don't know. All right. Yeah, I know his hands were tied by the board. I've got my views on that. I think it, you're right, Lee. But how did we go from being a side that had scared teams off the pitch before we even set foot on it? We know that's a fact, right? That's been spoken about. Yeah. To being a side that were that weak, under the same manager, but being a side that were that weak at times when put under pressure, that we could throw away a 4-0 half-time lead to a place like Newcastle. Complete opposite, you know? We didn't, we, no, that was what would have never have happened. Would never have happened, you know, earlier in Wenger's career. No. And one, one to debate here, right? One to debate here. Lee said that Wenger had one arm tied behind his back by the ball at times, right? And, and I absolutely agree. It, it must have been the case because some of the dross he was forced to use towards the end of his career at Ivory, Wenger should never have been at the club, in my view. But why didn't Wenger come out and say something? Was he that much of a club man that he wouldn't say something? I'm sure I, that Ferguson I think I think something. he loved the club too much to actually disrespect it and 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 bring it into disrepute. That's that's uh, that's my belief. I think I don't know if it's my heart thinking or what I really think. I I, I do think that you have to remember we moved to the Emirates in 2006. Uh, there is the game that we should have won in in Paris, um, which we will do on a completely separate podcast, but. Um, there's uh, you'd 90, uh, 2008 was the, the credit crunch. We were in the process of redeveloping Highbury into million pound penthouse flats and everything else. They were highly leveraged um, with RBS, which is the, the bank they had then. RBS went into a, a free fall and a collapse, and that caused um, that caused uh, the um, caused. Um, <laughs> Sorry, fuck. <laughs> 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 Sorry, mate. Sorry, guys. It's all right. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think the, the, the credit crunch of 2008-2009 really hampered. The finances were hampered anyway with the move to the stadium. Added to that, the financial crisis that we had uh, 10 years ago, I think totally screwed us over. Um, the stadium would have been paid for earlier. We've had to re remortgage and, re and so on. So I do. But uh, why didn't he come out and say anything? I, I, I think... For the love of the club, Trev. I think you've got to look it at it as well. If you look at it right, 2000 and, uh, 2002, 2006, we should have won another couple of championships at least and a Champions League. But what happened in 2006 was we moved to the Emirates, Chelsea got a load of money, and we all know it before us, the next few years later, Man City get a load as well. 
we're trying to now compete with Manchester United and Chelsea who are much, much richer than us because we've just moved to the Emirates at the wrong time, in my opinion. I do believe that. We had Ronaldo around our stadium. We had Messi on trial, Fabregas with us. Um, Yaya Zlatan on trial, Yaya on trial. People wanted to come to Arsenal at that time, but we couldn't afford it because we moved to the Emirates. But the two things for me that really changed it and the thing that I thought we could never really come back from was one, David Dean went. That was his worst decision for me. Since he's gone, Arsene Wenger never had a right-hand man. And he did a lot for Arsenal Football Club. You know, people were happy when he went. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was the biggest, biggest mistake when he went. And the other thing was we sold Ashley Cole to Chelsea and told everybody, if anybody wants any of our invincibles, please come and get them. And they all went within two seasons. We had Gilberto, Henri and Torre left. That was it. Everyone else had gone. Campbell, Pires, Burkamp retired. We lost players that people forget about, like Lauren, Ashley Cole, Jens Lehmann had one year in the Emirates. And you think this team that's just gone unbeaten has now disappeared in two seasons. Why has that happened? But Dan, and I think we just Dan, could not catch up there. Did that not happen because of petro dollars and because of uh, Russian rubles? Uh, and we're, like, we're, we're moving into the second era of, of Wenger, like the uh, yeah, the era that where it comes into more, right. more questionable things. And, right. and, and was it because there was so much more money being flooded in? And with the restrictions that I talked about because of our redevelopment of Highbury and into moving into a new stadium, yes, probably unfortunately the wrong time. And then Chelsea get all that money. And then, you know, Man City and now do what they do. Massively, you know, it is about money. And this is where we're coming into the money situation now. And this is where the time that we're at the podcast to talk about it. But just before we do that, I think personally, we could not play catch-up with kids, and that's what we tried to do. We moved to the Emirates at the wrong time. OK, we didn't know that Abramovich was going to come in with all that money and Man City was going to come in with all that money. But, unfortunately, when they did, that just, for me, was impossible to keep up. And we were apparently moving to the Emirates, and we were sold this dream to compete with the very best. And me and Trev always say it. We always already were competing with the very best. Why did we go to the Emirates at that time? It put us in so much debt which we're still paying off, apparently, by the way. And yeah, we will why that happens. So, for me, we should not have gone to the Emirates at that stage and then we have then put ourselves behind and we've never been able to catch up. And that's why I think Arsene Wenger got a lot of stick because, you know, he could never really play catch up with kids. Well, I, I'll tell you what um, really gets me. Go on. Like you were saying, all, all the players, all the great players, something changed. I, I don't know what it is. It's a question, you and I have discussed this, Fergus, on a few occasions. Something changed through his uh, 20-odd years of management. He went from, we went from having a, t- a, a team with a particular playing start. What, what you mentioned, Trevor, what Lee mentioned about the guys, the size of them and the way that mentally we, we had teams beat before they crossed the halfway line. The, the, the style of the football changed, the style of the footballer changed, whether that was to do with the money um, or lack Man, of it. Do you- I don't know. Do you not think? Do you not think that that was uh, because he looked at the Spain side that went and won the World Cup, uh, which was just a mini Barcelona, and you had your small players, and they had the false number nines, and and he tried to be Spain strong Barcelona. Maybe and I think that's what he I'm changed it from to, being. I'm, I'm hoping to get some answers from you guys because it's a question that I will probably ask myself for the rest of my life. He went from having like a Patrick, and I love Cesc Fabregas, I love him, but he went from having a Patrick Vieira, a Gilberto and an Edu, and even Ray Parler at midfield, in midfield at times, was, was strong, was powerful, man. And we went away from that. 
And yeah, maybe it was that. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for answers, guys. I don't know. The, the reason he went away from it, the reason when he, he went away from it is because, one, he didn't have the financial clout to go in that. But he had Cesc Fabregas. Probably yeah, one of the best, one of the best footballers in 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 the in. We were never the Europe. biggest of spenders, though. Even when he first arrived, or even five or ten years no, into his, we were never the biggest of spenders, and he seemed to find a way. Then what, he, what he I'm always, trying to find out is what changed. Halfway he always in the wanted to be, I think it, there was always that thing with him that he would want to bring instead of buy it, he wanted to to, to make it. You know, like that—that that was a thing with Arsene Wenger. You know, and and he did—he didn't really buy the Love league. That. He didn't buy the league at, um, when he was at, at Ibury. He, he he made it. He created it with with the players that he done, and he wanted to do that with Fabregas. I, I look back at that Emirates team, missed opportunities, missed opportunities because we had players like, uh, you know, um, we had Fabregas, we had Nasri, was a hell of a player at first. Yeah, awesome. I mean, fantastic footballer. We had Kleb. That was some midfield, some midfield. We had then we had the likes of Van Persie. We had um, Eddie Boy or up front, like you know, quality quality players. But what he didn't all fans do, favorite, was get, so again, all fans' favourites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because at the end of the day, they they didn't buy him what, what he wanted at the end of the day, and I don't blame him for that. Like, but what what he didn't do then was then he didn't like he'd done in in eighty seven when he got Patrick Vera. He needed to bring in a big strong central midfield player to to hold to glue all those players together as uh, on a footballing par and and a, cent and a, and a central defence. He never right. done it. We, we had these players. If he'd have gone in, say, at that moment in time and put in Sol Campbell in his prime and Patrick Vieira in his, in his prime, Arsenal would have won titles at the Emirates. But the fact of the matter is that he didn't do that. And he had all these great players right. chilling about. And he just, for whatever reason, and... It's a question that I'd love to ask him. Why didn't he go and buy? And if you look back on it, and a, a great, a great, great point about George Graham. George Graham had won the league with John Lukic, but along come Seaman and didn't yeah. the loyalty was right. I'm going to buy the best goalkeeper. And he got the best guy. Look at the goalkeeping situation at the Emirates over over a side. It's been poor. Comical. It's comical. So he never addressed... Lee, that's what I don't get. This is what I don't... Look, the man came along and you two both made great points. He could see where the weaknesses were with the team. Dan, you said, let's not change that. He's a great goalie, great back five, and he added to it and it made it great. What... I don't understand the problem. Why, the problem I saw. The, the, yeah, the reason. The reasons why. I, well, I think the reasons why he just didn't want to change his philosophy. He wanted to, like Lee said, he wanted to bring it from the youth system, or he wanted to buy cheap, like he did before, and find a gem. The problem is when he was doing that, he was buying players which were absolutely terrible. You know, look at look at the things that look at the uh, over in his Emirates time. Look at the players that he bought: Senderos. See, you know, like it's people like Seagan, you know, and yeah. Almunia, Fla Flappianski. Yeah, and, Mike, and then you're right. you've got it's all that. You, you know, he wanted to try and find that gem for cheap. It wasn't possible. Sorry, Trev, I couldn't hear you, mate. Go again. No, Mike, I was agreeing with you, son. I was agreeing yeah. with you. Yeah. He, he, we, we, over, over his last eight or ten years, I don't know if it was Wenger that even had a lot of saying who he bought. Because if he mm. did have a lot of saying what he bought, he bought some dross. Well, the thing is, if he didn't have a say in what he bought, Trev, there's something terribly wrong, mate. Well, you know, a, player, a manager of his calibre, he yeah. should be able to go to his board, 
his, you know, the the owner and say, I want this person, you get him now. And Dan yeah, makes this great point. He had, he had David Dean doing that. Now, I'm telling yeah. you this now. In 2015, whenever it was, and he said, I'm just going to go and buy Petter Check. I am 100% sure that David Dean would have turned around and said, awesome, we need more than just that. We need we need this and we need that. Yeah. But he had no one doing that. So when he turned around to the board and said, I just need Petter Check, they went, yeah, all right, that's all right. Oh, that's all great. We're going to say it around his finger. I think David Dean challenged him and said, no, we need this and we need that. He didn't have that. Mm. And, that, and I think yeah, that is a massive key and a, a so, point. So, said. guys, guys, we you, went you, we've we went Sorry, Fergus. Sorry, Fergus. Go on. We, Go on, Trev, we went and then through. Through. We, All right, mate. We went through three or four seasons, transfer windows, where, as, as you always are at the start of a, a transfer window, all your hopes are up. And see for season after season for a few years, we bought no one until the last 10 minutes of the transfer window, and then we bought rubbish. Rubbish yeah. that didn't perform for us. And, and and taking it to the extreme, right? And and I'm, I'm sure that Lee and Memo, with the greatest respect to you younger guys, I'm sure that Lee and Memo put me right here. Just dwelling in the back of my head somewhere is, was Wenger using us as a bit of an experiment for the last few years of his career at Ivory? Was he thinking, right, I've done it with these big lads that could boss people about. I'm not going to buy a load of little skillful players who are going to tap it all around. Can't make a tackle, but I won't have to. And, and see if I can That's win good. it that way. But Trevor, I don't know. The reason that he did that was because the most attractive upcoming football at the time was Pep Guardiola's Barcelona side, and he tried to replicate that. And that, for me, was the reason that Arsene Wenger was so far ahead of the game when he joined Arsenal, but was so behind by the end of it, because he was trying to play catch-up with the Pep Guardiola's and even the Jurgen Klopp's of this world now. And unfortunately... He was a dinosaur and that was the new modern game. And he was stuck by these lightweight technical players like Ramsey and Wilshere and Cazorla and Fabregas instead of buying the Yaya Torres that we could have had that were available to him. And that, for me, is why. I just think he was outdated by that point. I mean, he, had, yeah, he had some gems come through trials. He really did. You know, and Fabregas, he just let him he go. Did. Right. He did. Fabregas did that Listen, we the did. other week. It was really interesting mm. when he spoke about wanting to come back to Arsenal and... And why the likes of, I'm not keen on him, but Nasri was a class act, as Lee just said, couldn't agree more. And Sanya were leaving the club uh, and, and Van Persie went and then Fabregas went. And Fabregas said, I believe, they went because they couldn't see Arsenal progressing to winning anything again. And that's when we, we then we went to pot then. I mean, the, the year Leicester won the league, we should have won it, boys, you know. Yeah, I know we, we finished second by 10. We finished there's second by 10 There's a few years we, could, we should have won it. Uh, we should have, uh, you know, uh, there's 2010 at the League Cup final uh, against Birmingham. Uh, Cole Shelney was uh, late for that. But, Move on, mate. But 2008, 2008 we, we should have won the league. Yeah. Yes. Those legs. yes. yes. Definitely. We touched on, on, on 2015 and it, it took us that long to bring our first bit of silverware uh, to the Emirates Stadium. It was the FA Cup. Um, we beat Hull in at Wembley and then we went on to win the FA Cup again the following year. And then a year after that, again, we won the FA Cup against uh, Chelsea. So he did bring back glory. He did bring back... Uh, no, it was Chelsea before. He did He did bring back glory and he did bring back silverware eventually to, to the Emirates. And we did have those um, 
uh, parties and 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 open bus parades and uh, Jack Wilshire uh, proclaiming his his hatred of Arsenal outside <laughs> the Emirates, which will which will make him forever a hero. Uh, you know, so he did get Tottenham, us there. Tottenham, you mean not hatred of Arsenal, hatred of Tottenham. Sorry, hatred, yeah, hatred of uh, yeah. I was, I was trying to not say his love of. Uh, yes, and I'm, I mix it up in my own head. Uh, yeah, his, his, his love of Arsenal, hatred of Tottenham. Um, and, you know, it was so tarnished, the end, wasn't it? Who wants to go The on? damage had been yeah, done. Of course it was. I think it was tarnished yeah. because, you know, um, I, I look back, you know, he did bring success. And even those teams in the Cups were good sides. But where, where he tarnished his reputation was that everybody could see what he needed to do. Yeah. Every time we, we went, Trevor's right. Every time we went into a transfer market, we was going, right, we need to just buy a central defender and a central yeah. midfield, and we will win the league. He never right. went and done it. And then halfway through the season, we would be up there and going about it. And then when we when we, we got we started losing games, if only we had a defender, we only had this. And it was so many years of that, you know. And in the end, we even like that great, you know. We, we we beat Manchester City in the semi final and Chelsea the champions that day and outplayed both at Wembley with fantastic performances. Yeah. And you say, right, that's we've got a team that's right close to doing it here. Go and spend some money on this and that. And he never did. And for the life of me, this is this most intelligent man that gave me everything in the 10 years before. Why didn't he go and do that? That is a mystery to me, and okay. I'll never well, understand. That, that's the thing, isn't it? We were crying out that's for me. a defender, weren't we, for ages, and he bought it. Ended up buying Per Mertesacker, which milk turns quicker than what he does. Yeah, Kale you know, in game. You yeah. know what I mean? like a, a young English central defender that would have been fantastic for us, and we go and get him. And it wasn't just so that. Many. We we, we oh, then man. need a central midfield player to to do the holding, and, and he goes and gets Flamini for a free transfer. You know, and, and oh, after, you, yeah, after getting rid of him, he, he brings him back again. Like, we are spending, like, and as a fan, you're spending so much money and you're going and buying cheap, cheap options. And it cost us time and time again. Yes, we was unlucky on a couple of occasions. We had some great teams, you know what I mean? Like when, when Eduardo got injured. But the fact of the matter is those last three years, he just did not do the job that he was supposed to do. And that was to, to improve the team. Was he hindered exactly. me? Um, what, what, hang on, was was he hindered by um, <laughs> platforms like this? Like, uh, and yourself, you've been very vocal before on AFTV um, and very intelligent in what you've said about your comments as as a fan and not trying to be sensationalised. But there's so much stuff out there that was and and social media came. Uh, you know, you, you got Twitter, you got Facebook, you got and and, and all of a sudden us normal average Joes could actually get an opinion out there. Um, did, did, do you think that damaged him and, and, and made it harder oh, for him? The, 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 the dynamics of everything changed in football, like from, from everything, you know, and social media did change things. It give everybody an opinion. But the fact of the matter is when your manager comes out and turns around to you and says, uh, I, I'm, I'm not prepared to overspend. That's the one that done it for me. I'm not prepared to overspend on a, on a player, Right. But every single Arsenal fan that was going to the Emirates was overspending, considering to, to every other fan in the in the, in the world in the world. Mm. And for him to say that was just plain arrogance. You know what I mean? I, like, of I, course, it's going to get I the think the same thing for Arsenal fans. Exactly. If you look back to when he first exactly. arrived, yeah, it was all about winning. 
you could see the hunger in the man. He wanted to win. He wanted to get one over on Fergie. He wanted to get one over on Manu. What I'm sort of alluding towards is us. I, I think something changed, okay? Whether it was the move from Highbury to Emirates, I've got my own opinion on that, yeah? But something changed with the man because he went from being a winner, you know, wanting to be the best, to accepting third, second, third and fourth place. And my opinion on that is the minute you stop shooting for the stars, you're on a loser, I think. As much as, much as we are wait. giving him a bit of stick, and it's quite rightly so in some respects, I think he had made some horrendous mistakes, Arsene Wenger. What he did also do was get top four with an unbelievably poor few sides. They were shocking sides. Jovino, Shamak and Bentner up front, top four. And we're all, and then everyone says, oh, it's an out of order to call that a trophy. But everybody wants top four now, don't they? Poch got Spurs third, and it was an unbelievable achievement. But Wenger gets us top four with Blimin Denilson in the middle, and that's a, a terrible achievement. So for what we did, for all of his downfalls, he did give us some unbelievable memories at the Emirates still, the night at Barcelona, brilliant Henry header in the last minute against United. We've seen all the all the, all the the glory days of Wenger, and we saw some more at the Emirates, and we did have good sides. For me, 2008, mm. we won it. 2010, we had a chance against Leicester. I don't think we ever were going to win the league. I think Leicester were going to win that, whatever, personally. We were the only team to beat him twice, that. mate. Yeah, I couldn't believe it when he said that. We beat Leicester twice, though. Yeah, but we're 12 points behind them, Larson. Jesus. Um, and then we went and signed Mustafi and Chaka instead of Kante and Van Dijk, and I thought, that's it, you're done. Move on. And he did. Well, see, that, so after, that, yeah. that, that, that's you're the right. point, right? That's the point that Lee's just made, right? You, me... All, all of us here, we, we don't pay the highest season ticket prices in the country to see us sign the likes of Shamak, Sigan, Javinho. Uh, we yeah. went to, I'm, I'm going back for a second, but we went to the Emirates on a promise. And the yeah. main promise was that we wouldn't be signing Dross like that. We were going to the Emirates to continue our our reign as, as champions and, and, and contenders for everything. And, and that's why I get angry in that if I was paying 250 yeah. quid a year for the season ticket, I'd expect 250 quid a year players, but I'm not. Exactly. And that is the reason that everybody yeah. copped me up with anger. That is the reason. Not there's nothing personal. It was that fact is a matter of you're asking me to scrimp and save to come and, get to, and pay the highest price pay, pay for you then to turn around and say, oh, I'm not prepared to spend over the top for a player, but you're expecting us fans to. And he also turned around and said, uh, you will pay the, the top price pay money for the whole season. And at the end of that season, I'm going to sell our best player to make ends meet. Right, and then when it comes to the matter, when we don't have to do that, I'm not prepared to overspend. I could have fraud him. You know what I mean? Like that's how bad it was getting. Like I, I, I remember, uh, I remember your interview, and we yeah, did, uh, we done your gooner, gooner to gooner, and I took the audio clip of that um, <laughs> with you talking to Robbie, which was one of your debut ones, and it was, you know what, it it, it made me connect with you even before I met you because you came across as one of us as a genuine fan, and I think that was really really important. Wenger had twenty two years uh, at uh, at Arsenal. Um, I still maintain he loves the club. I don't think he'll ever manage anywhere else. I know he's now gone into a higher job. Um, he had a very respectful and actually I was very moved on that day after the Bradford game uh, when we said mercy Arsenal and we said farewell to him. Uh, and we welcomed um, a guy who 
we're, we're, you mean Burnley? A guy we're working with. Burnley, What's that? Yeah. <laughs> Bradford, you mean Burnley? Yeah, yeah. Same That's, thing. I've got one. I've got one more cock up to do. Two different so. areas in the north, mate. <laughs> oh, Fergus, don't be, move yeah. on for five seconds. Fergus, don't move on for five seconds. There's just something but, really important to say about the end of Wenger's reign, right? Uh, we t- we talked about Wenger and Ferguson earlier, the two greatest managers of their era, right? And they did hate each other. But just before the end of uh, Wenger's last season, we played Manu away, and Ferguson dragged dragged Wenger off the bench at Old Trafford to give him a presentation. And I thought, good on you. Good on you, Fergie. That shows a lot of respect I don't, I don't for someone. Think they hate, I don't actually think they hate each other anymore because uh, from what I see of it and what I've heard about it, they actually have meals together now. They're actually in close contact with I each think, other. So I think they became paddy when we were yeah. less competitive, put it that yeah. way, though. Yeah. When he retired. I agree. Yeah. I just need to finish that point because... Wenger's last game at Arsenal, when I—I I mean, I—I I, I won't speak badly about Wenger, but I knew it was time he should have gone years ago. But Wenger's yes. last game was just uh, was just after Ferguson got poorly, and when he came out on the pitch after the last game, um, the first thing he said was, "I want to wish Ferguson well." Yeah. Not yeah. Alec. He didn't say Alex. Ferguson, I want to wish Ferguson well. So I thought, well, that's a bit of so there's a bit of respect there. I just thought it'd be nice to oh. end on the fact on that, Fergus, if we're talking no. about him. Yeah. No, no, no. That's fine. So, it, yeah, it was, it was, it was a, a fantastic and a very upsetting day, and it was, it was a poignant day, and it will be a day that I will forever remember in in the history of Arsenal. And uh, it, whether you were uh, an AKB or an WOB, um, and uh, <laughs> the days. in. in, in yeah, in, in, in 20 years time, we're talking to our kids and go, were you an AKB or a WOB? You know, and, and, and they won't even know what we're talking about, you know, and the EIEs and everything else. But um, so we, we moved into Unai Emery, who had won uh, the Europa League more than anybody else. He seemed to fit the slot that we needed to fit into in the sense of that we had type of found our level, unfortunately, which is trying to get into the Champions League. And the only way we could probably get into the Champions League because our team wasn't good enough probably in the league was to get it via the, the Europa League and probably at the first hit. Um, Wenger had failed uh, at the semi-final stages against Atletico uh, the, the season before. And we got all the way to Baku. And uh, as we know, uh, Trev, uh, did you go out to Baku as well, uh, Lee? No, I didn't go, no. Well, Trev made his way all the way out to Baku. And, well done, um, uh, Thank we were, you, Lee. We were on... <laughs> we were on <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's a huge amount to talk about Unai in the sense of... He was evolution shit. and revolution. Was, what, was that Mike? Yeah. Was what? I said he was shit. <laughs> <laughs> Baku you know what? was absolutely <laughs> awful. That is the worst game in my asshole history I've ever watched in my entire life. But you but, go back oh, to think the start, of this, the start of when he first came. We start seeing stuff. It looked like there was more structure. And we talked about George Graham and so on. And, and, and we'll go into Arteta in a second. But it looked like there was a bit more structure about the team. And it looked like there was a bit more fight. Um, I think his language skills basically <laughs> lost it. Mm. Um, 
Uh, and I think his 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 lack of control of, of being able to use English correctly, uh, and you had players from all over the world that were able to speak better English than him. And good evening, uh, and everything else. He just became a joke within the dressing room within himself. Um, but we moved on to, and Trev talked about it um, a little bit. We move on to Mikel Arteta, an Arsenal player, an Arsenal captain who is now the Arsenal head coach manager. Very, very like a full circle. And I'm hoping it will bring the success that we had with George Graham, who was an Arsenal player and an Arsenal captain. Um, Lee and uh, Trevor talked earlier about some cons- the, the changes you could so the instant change in the George Graham side, that there was some consistency and some structure. And yes, we may, may not be the most dynamic side because we're a pretty crap side at the minute. Uh, we may not be the most dynamic side, but we have had some consistency. I think we're 11 games unbeaten. I can't remember. It seemed, seems that long ago since we kicked the ball and played any football. But 11 games unbeaten, uh, haven't been beaten this season. Um, you know, we're grinding out some results and you can see something changes. The likes of Shaka, who shouldn't be at our club in my view, but that's another topic. Um, the likes of Shaka, the likes of Mustafi, Dan, um, the, um, all, all showing some level of improvement. You know, uh, uh, Dan, since you're looking like Mustafi, in your jump. Uh, yeah, I think, do you know what? I think that the... We started to see a little bit of a style under Unai Emery to start with. We started to see playing out from the back and we started to see that there was some high intensity. Um, and then that went to pot when, in my opinion, he lost the dressing room. And I think that what we needed was somebody to instill confidence. I think that's what Mikel Arteta did. And you started to see players like um, Torreira, uh, even Maitland-Niles, who's now out of favour, but he started to do well at right back. We saw what he's done with Saka, Martinelli. Um, and I think, you know, he has made the likes of Chaka and Mustafi play better, um, which to me is great, great, great management because Gary Neville said that Socrates, Lewis and Mustafi were uncoachable and Arteta has managed to coach them somehow to make us harder to beat. So I think if he can do that with those players, he needs to be back now in the summer whenever football restarts again, because this team is not good enough. It's the worst Arsenal side that I've seen in my footballing era and that's since 92. So for me, it's the worst I've seen. And if he is backed in the summer and the Arteta style and players that mould into that Arteta style want to come to Arsenal and build around the Stackers, Guendouzis and Martinelli's, I think we have a chance of building a future. And that is what we have to believe. I just hope that the board back him because I don't trust the Cronkies. I don't trust Joshua Stan. I don't like Raul or Vinay. But I hope that Edu and Arteta can come together and start to target the players that they believe will move us forward. Mike, anything to add on that? Fuck Mustafi. (laughs) 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 Right, okay. Um, Anything anything to add on that? Because we're getting Um, towards the goal. We ran over. All right, really quickly. I've got a really good feeling about Mikel Arteta. um, I've mentioned it to Fergus on a number of occasions. I just see something in the man. I think there's an inner drive. I think there's a hunger. I, I do believe he's got a ruthless streak in him, which is going to be needed. You're 100% right, Dan. He does and will need some bouldering backing because that's the way of the game today. Yeah, It's not so easy. I, I still think there's bargains to be plucked. I do, I do believe there's great players be, be, beneath the Premier League. But I've got, I've just got a good feeling about Mikel Arteta. 
Um, from what I've seen with the group of players that he's currently got, what he's done in a short period of time, it, it's good. Um, I think, and all I, I think Trevor and me, we mentioned it, all you want from your players, when they come off the pitch, you know, they need to look broken. They need to look like they've given everything, put everything out there on the pitch. And before Mikel Arteta got there, I'm afraid that weren't the case. It was embarrassing at times. So, um, yeah, I've got a good feeling about Mikel. Trev, your your final thoughts on where we are now? Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 I can't blame Emery for everything that happened, right? Because even if he's lost the changing room, even if the players don't like him, they still don't stop them trying to do their best when they cross that white line. Because yeah. when they cross that white line, they're their own men. Especially right? in a final. They're their own men. So I've seen two of the worst performances I've ever seen from players in the last couple of years at Arsenal. One was Alexis Sanchez. We went and we played West Brom away a couple of years ago on New Year's Eve, right? And I told Donna I was taking her to Birmingham for New Year's Eve. And I said, oh, look, Arsenal <laughs> playing at West Brom. So she came with me, right? And Sanchez spent, Sanchez spent nearly all that game, stood on a wing, not bothered, right? That's no one else's fault but Sanchez. And then in a cup final in Baku last year, then thousands of Arsenal fans made the effort for that trip. And what a nightmare, right? And I watched players on that field that night not giving their all. They weren't yeah. bothered, right? Now, that could be, we could all say it's poor management. But as I said, once you cross that white line, you think about them fans and you turn it on and you do your best for that club. And I don't care, as Mem just said, we spoke about it. I don't care what the result is at the end of the game. But if I go to a game as a fan and I pay me highest season ticket in the country, I want to see that team at least come off that field shattered and have it given 100%. And I'll walk away then thinking, yeah, we got beat today, but I don't think they could have done yeah. any more, right? Now, go, so we move on to Arteta. Arteta's first game, I think, was Bournemouth away. Was it Bournemouth away? Boxing Day this year, was it? I think. It was Everton, and you could, you could immediately no, see. You was it Everton? Because Everton away. Um, was it Everton? Yeah. 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 Was Everton was away. Bournemouth's first game that he took charge. Hmm. Yeah, and then it was Everton. I've been to all these games. He's been in charge, home and away, right? And you could see overnight a change in the attitude. A overnight change in the attitude. And the biggest change was we immediately, our players and our lazier players as well, immediately started adapting to the high press. Our press moved 20 yards up the field overnight when Arteta come in, right? And and so that's brilliant. Arteta's obviously got on working harder. Players like Mustafi, shut up, Mike. Players like Mustafi improved overnight, right? And they were putting in more of an effort, Um so yeah, and and then and then this bloody virus came and it stopped us in our tracks because I'm like, ma'am, I've got every faith in Arteta now. I, I think we he's gonna move us forward and 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 we're gonna see improvements as long as he's given the support, as Dan said. So yeah, mm. all good for me. Uh, the improvement we've seen, shame it ended when it did. But uh, yeah. and one thing to remember as well, since our since Arteta left Man City and Pep. Man City ain't don't appear to be after <laughs> the team they were. They've lost games, you know. Just one thing in there, you know. So, yeah, I'm very happy at the moment. You know? It is interesting. Hopefully. Lee, yeah. final yeah, word with you on, uh, on, on Arteta. I echo what all the guys have said, really. Like, I think that um, the signs are, are good. You know, I, I think that um, a team that goes to Chelsea and, and, and be a man down and, and grind out and work hard and get a result, 
that wouldn't have happened under Emery and, and, and that. So there's, that's a great sign for me. And I agree with that. You don't. It's not necessarily we didn't win that game, but you see, you see, saying about the team there, you could be proud of. I think um, the big, big key for me is to keep the youngsters. I think we've got some very, very good young players. Martelli and Sacco are two of the standouts, of course. But you've still got Willock in there, and you've still got a couple of the young guys as well. So I still think that um, very, very similar to when George Graham took over with a few youngsters. If it's managed properly, which I think Arteta will do. I think that also he's got the drive and ambition to do well. And if if he doesn't get the um, um, backing from the board, I think that they'd be sought after. I'm telling you that now. I think there'd yeah. be other clubs looking at him. So Arsenal yeah. will have to um, back this man because I think that there are good signs of him being what we, we hope there to be. And, you know, I, I think that this season we'd have finished very, very strongly. I do believe that if it weren't for the virus, pushing us on to next season. So... If he can get back by the board, I've got, I've got big big hopes for um, Mikel. And again, just like George Graham, just like um, uh, Arsene Wenger, slightly disappointed that he was our manager, but mm. won me over. And he's done exactly the same in an early in in the early stages of his career. Long may it continue. Can I just Brilliant. point out quick? Um, can I? Sorry, mate. I'm just going to point out quick uh, that this the jury for Arteta for me is still out. You know, all, all things are pointing to, yeah, it, it's it's looking good. But I think, as as for everyone was saying, and I'm going to sort of go with what Trev was saying, you know, when these when I start seeing some of these poisonous, venomous players start leaving our club and things start moving forward in that sense, that's when I'm going to start getting behind it a little bit more with Arteta because it's up to him to get rid of these players. And I think that's the, the main issue that we've got. And... Again, to go with what Trev said, you know, a majority of these players, you got to remember, these players are the ones that didn't turn up in Baku for a final. It was their final to take and they wasn't interested. So when I start seeing these players go, that's when I'm going to start to be a bit Hang more on, supportive Mike. in it. Yeah. Hang on. Mike. It's going to happen. Yeah, I, think I, the guy's roof, I think the guy's got a hunger and he really wants it. Yeah, he really wants it. And Lee's right. It, it, if, if he doesn't get the back in, it, it'll be off up somewhere else because someone will surely come in for him. Oh, yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait for it to start again. I can't wait till 2021 when some of these players go. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it won't be Saka because he has he's only got so long on his contract. Oh, Ozil Mustafi surprised by 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 Kalasanak. Listen, lad. Listen, lad. As always, uh, we try and stick to the hour mark. We've overran. Um, but you know what, uh, Mem. Well done. A great first topic. Uh, I, I the, the bench has been set. So for the other four of you on here, you've got to come up with a topic uh, for the next podcast. <laughs> um, that was really good. Interesting. Uh, it, it, it's looking at the evolution of Arsenal Football Club over the last 20, 30 years. And to a certain degree, sadly, a little bit of a decline. But, you know, Football is a circle, and uh, we're just somewhere in that circle. We're on, we were on the down. I think under Mikel Arteta, we're on the way up. Lee, Dan, Mike, Mem, Trev, thank you very much. Uh, you have been on Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. Only one last thing to say: up the arse. Hold on, mate. Hold on, mate. Hold on. Thanks for listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons, an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans. 
Follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons or Twitter at Guns and Ribbons. And remember to rate and review us too.